Hello and welcome to John Cook Ministries podcast. I'm John Cook. Want to welcome you again to the continuing study on just a thought on the book of Revelation. Today, we are going to be dealing with Revelation chapter 13, verses 3 through 5. Now, I want to tell you again that you need to get your Bible and look up this verse, these verses, because it's better to read directly from the Bible to find out what God says than it is to read it off the screen, though it will be on the screen. But I would encourage you to look up the scriptures. Don't let man be your authority. Let the word of God be your authority. Thus saith the Lord, the very words of the living God are pure and undefiled. Purified, the Bible says, seven times in a furnace of earth. So we have the pure, infallible, inerrant, verbally inspired words of God in the King James Bible. So take your Bible and look up the verses. This is part three. I'm sorry, I'm having a little bit of problem here. Got a big bit of the hiccups. That's the problem with... with uh, a live broadcast is you can't you can't hide anything you can't edit it out it's it's live but nevertheless we'll get through it here as we used to say we'll muddle our way through so take your bible and look at revelation chapter 13 this is part 3 of our study on revelation just a thought on revelation chapter 3 we are going to look at the wounding of the beast in this study and the worship of the beast and the words of the beast. God tells us exactly what's coming in the future. And this beast is the Antichrist who is going to make an appearance one of these days. And I don't think it's there very far away because we live in a world that is really set up for the Antichrist. A world that is basically described in our study on Revelation chapter 13. Walks like an American, or excuse me, works like an American, walks like a communist, and talks like an Englishman. Sorry, my mind drew a blank. It's called senior moment. I, I have a senior life, not so much senior moments anymore. So let's get into our study. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 3 says, And I saw one of his heads, that's the beast, 
who came up out of the sea, as it were wounded to death. His deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Now, we've seen already that this is a description. This beast is described, and he's a, he is the Antichrist. So it says, I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. And the scripture tells us the heads on the beast represent kings, and therefore kingdoms. So one of these kings, or kingdoms, is going to be wounded by an assassin. It's possible that this speaks not of just one of them being wounded by an assassin, but it's possible that the Antichrist himself will get shot in the head, and things will look like it's over for him. Three days and three nights later, because he'll imitate the resurrection of Christ, this deadly wound will be healed. He'll be resurrected. And at that point in time, Satan will enter into the Antichrist. So Antichrist will literally become the devil before he's controlled by the devil. But at this point, he will literally be inhabited by the devil, and it will be the devil living in him, speaking through him, working through him, acting through him. And all the world wondered at the beast. What will be the response? Well, the response will be first, I'm sure, sorrow as he's shot in the head. And it'll look like their dreams are over as far as the world is concerned. But then when he's resurrected from the dead or imitates the resurrection of Christ, then the world will be shocked by the resurrected Antichrist. They'll say, he is a god. And they will, he will get exactly what the devil's been trying to get all along. And that's for man to treat him like a god. Because Revelation 13, 4 says, they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? This world is going to worship the beast as a resurrected Christ. He is the Antichrist. And they'll think him undefeatable. They'll think nobody can take him on. Isn't it funny? Man rejects the true and living God. But he'll accept the God of this world. Man does not, did not mourn at the 
at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. The world did not mourn it. They only tried to seal his tomb to see that he stayed in there. And then three days and three nights later, when he came out of the tomb, resurrected, the world was terrified and set about to lie to cover up the truth of his resurrection. But the world, when this beast is shot in the head, and three days and three nights later, he's healed and resurrected. They'll worship him. <clears throat> and they'll say, there's nobody like him. Isn't it funny how we magnify men? Now me, this is not going to make me popular when I say this, but me... I'm a Trump man. I like him. I liked what he did for our country. And I fully realized that he wasn't a conservative. But I believe for our economy, he did a good job. But our hope is not in Trump. And our hopes are not dashed because he's no longer president. Because our hope is in God. And the Bible says he sets the basis men up as the leaders of this world. And certainly the Antichrist will be the basis of men. And men will worship him, much like people did Trump, much like people did Obama. They'll worship him. They'll say, who's like him? But they've seen that others can defeat them. Whether justly or unjustly, it doesn't matter. But these will say, who's like him? Who's going to make war with him? Not even God can conquer him. Much the same as they said, about the Titanic, that not even God could sink the Titanic. Hollywood likes to take and use the name of God like that. A video that I saw about magicians, one of them made this statement, can God do that? I don't think so. That's what he said, thinking himself to be greater than God. And that's how man is. He blasphemes the name of God. Well, this one, when he's resurrected, they'll say, who's able to make war with him? Well, just stick around. Because when we get to Revelation chapter 19, 20, 21, and 22, you'll see who's able to make war with him. says, and they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. Notice who they're really worshipping. They're worshipping the dragon. Now, we know from Scripture 
that that dragon is that old serpent, the devil. So who are they worshiping? They worshiped the dragon. They worshiped the devil that gave power to the beast. Man is inherently religious. Man has to worship. He'll worship a god. Whether it be the god of the Bible or whether it be the god created by man, he'll worship a god. Men today worship themselves. If you don't believe it, just consider. Just open Facebook up and look at it, the selfies that are taken. People take pictures of their, of their what they eat. They <clears throat> they take pictures of, of uh, they they they're doing their laundry or they're traveling in a car, like. People, I'm important. You should know what I eat. You should know where I'm going. You've got to see my face constantly. Man is inherently religious. Man today worships himself. And he'll fully accept the Antichrist. Revelation chapter 9 and verse 20 says, And the rest of the men who were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Isn't, that, isn't it an amazing thing how men will worship graven images made out of stone or made out of wood? made out of silver, made out of brass, made out of gold, and they'll pray to it, and they'll, they'll uh, do all sorts of things, burn incense to it. But it can't see, it can't hear, it can't walk. It can't protect itself. I was reading recently in the book of Judges, Certain fella had a graven image. He got himself a priest. Long came the tribe of Dan, and they stole the priest and the man's images. And the man is following them, saying, Why have you stolen my images? Why have you stolen my gods? I was reading in 1 Samuel, Dagon, the god that one of the gods that the, that the Philistines worshipped. When the Philistines take the Ark of the Covenant, they bring it into the temple of Dagon, celebrating that Dagon had conquered the God of Israel, the Ark of the Covenant. And they set it in there, and the next morning they went in, and Dagon was falling on his face before the Ark of the Covenant. They put him back up. He couldn't get up by himself. They put him back up. And the next morning they go in, and 
Dagon's head is chopped off. He's fallen down on the ground again in front of the Ark of the Covenant. His head is chopped off and his palms of his hands are found on the threshold of the door going in. They put him back together and they get rid of the Ark of the Covenant. They don't worship the God that is the living God. They worship a God that they have to care for, take care of. And the Bible says they worship devils. That they should not worship devils here. They worship devils. Did you get that? These gods that they worship of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood. They can't hear, see, they can't see, hear, or talk. But brother, those devils that are behind those gods, men are men don't stop to consider that they worship the devil today, but they do. Because if you don't worship the living and true God, then you're worshiping devils. Worship involves bowing down before it. Romans chapter 11 and verse 4. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. You know, I think we've gotten away from a lot of things in Christianity. When I was a child growing up, I can remember in church you called, we referred to one another as brother or sister. Of course, as a child, it was always brother or sister last name. We never used their first name. We were taught to respect adults, something parents don't teach their children today. We've lost that in churches today. We no longer refer to one another as brother and sister. Would God we get, regain that? But I'll tell you something else we've lost is bowing the knee to God. The world loses, has no problem bowing the knee to the image of Baal. As a missionary in Quebec, Canada, I can remember going to this great cathedral there. And there were cement stairs leading up the side of the hill going to the entrance of that cathedral. And people would literally walk up those stairs on their knees. They willingly bowed before that which was not a god. And they would go in, and there inside was a huge crucifix at the front. They would stuff money in pleading with this crucifix. Jesus isn't on the cross, brother. He died on the cross. He was buried 
and he rose again from the dead, and he ever lives to make intercession for us at the right hand of God. I don't have to go to some crucifix. But I certainly should bow my knee to the Lord God of heaven and earth. And I'm afraid too often we forget that. Worship involves bowing the knee. Worship also involves an act of affection. Luke 22, verse 48, when, when Judas betrayed Jesus, he kissed Jesus. And Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? This kiss should have been an act of worship. But it was not. It was an act of betrayal. I wonder how many of us betray Jesus with what should be an act of affection, but it's really an, an act of betrayal. Note who's being worshipped. They worshipped the beast. In this case, they worshipped the beast. You imagine worshiping the devil or that which is the image of the devil? Heartfelt worship. They're sold out to the devil. They're determined that nothing is going to rob them of their true affection. What did they cry? They cried, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war unto him? Who's like the beast? Well, there's one greater, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, shed his life's blood. And he saves forevermore all that come unto him because he's resurrected from the dead, making intercession for us in heaven. So their cry, who is like the beast? Well, that just means they've rejected the Savior. Who's able to make war with him? That's a challenge. It's like they're looking towards heaven and shaking their fist at God and saying, let's see you take him on. Let's see you defeat him. They think God cannot stand up to the beast. They're assured that now they've got peace. And it didn't come from God. Man got what he's been working for. Ever since Adam 
sinned in the garden, and that's peace without God. Adam and Eve started it by putting fig leaf aprons on. Cain brought it of the fruit of the ground and demanded that God accept it and was rejected. And now down through the centuries, man has rejected the Savior. When he came and lived a perfect life and presented to Israel the possibility, the, the, the promise, I should say, of the kingdom of heaven come to earth. God ruling the kingdom of God. And they rejected him and crucified him. Said we will, we will not have this man to rule over us. They said we have no king but Caesar. And all this time man has been trying to bring peace on earth without God. And they'll think they've accomplished it. Now, what's the possibility here? Well, the possibility is, is that the resurrected Antichrist will literally be Judas. That's possible. Then we're going to read about the false prophet that shows up, that speaks for the Antichrist. And that false prophet could be Balaam resurrected. You say, are you sure of that? I don't know. But it's a possibility. It's a thought. Revelation 13, 5 then says, And there was given unto him a mouth. This is the beast that's resurrected. A mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and 2 months. So since he's got power to continue 40 and 2 months. Or 3 and a half years. Then we know that this is at the middle of the tribulation period. And notice there was given unto him a mouth. Now, who gives the beast his power? The devil. Speaking great things and blasphemies. A mouth speaking great things. Sounds like the world, doesn't it? This world loves to speak great things and blaspheme God. Well, let's see if there's anything about that. There was given unto him a mouth. Well, in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 8, he says, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. 
So here we have the Antichrist pictured in Daniel. And notice, he's got eyes like a man and a mouth like a man speaking great things, bragging about his greatness. And we find that his mouth then is the instrument of the devil, the Antichrist. Now, that's no big shock if you think about it because the devil can use our mouths. Remember when Jesus talked about his crucifixion and Peter said, not so, Lord. And the Lord said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. The first pope was called Satan by the Lord because his mouth was being controlled by the devil. We need to be careful with our mouths. Our mouths can create a lot of trouble. In fact, the Bible says that our mouth is, contains a tongue. It's just a little thing in our body, but it creates a world of fire, a world of trouble. He speaks great things and blasphemies, the Bible says. Daniel 11.36 says, The king, that's the little horn, shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that that is determined shall be done. What God has determined is going to be done. This king is going to do according to his will. Notice the difference in him and Christ. Christ came... To do the Father's will. Not this guy. This guy came to do his will. Selfish. And he shall exalt himself. Jesus exalted God. Not this guy. This guy exalts himself. He magnifies himself. Jesus magnified the Father. Not this guy. He magnifies himself. You know what you find from all this? Self, self, self. Self. What men are living for today let me correct that. What men are living for today, self, self-worship, speaks marvelous things against the God of gods. This is Jesus. And he profits, he prospers, yeah, God's going to let him prosper. 
For how long? Well, till the indignation be accomplished. Till God has accomplished his will. And that is determined shall be done. How does the devil speak? Well, he speaks boastfully. He blasphemes. That's how the devil speaks. So if your mouth is running off and you're boasting about yourself, or you're blaspheming the name of God, then could I ask you a question? Could I ask you who's running your mouth? Man, we have to be on guard. The devil so easily can get in and get a hold of our mouths. Blasphemes. Men blaspheme the name of God constantly today. They're constantly saying things like asking God to damn something. They're using the name Jesus Christ like it's nothing. I can remember an old preacher used to say, why don't you ask your mother to do it? Why don't you use your mother's name? Oh, you'd not think of blaspheming her, would you? But you'll blaspheme the one who loved us and gave himself for us. You'll blaspheme the creator of this earth and all that in them is. So if your mouth is running boastfully and blasphemously, then who's in control of your mouth? The devil. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and 2 months. This 42 months means he only has limited power. Not all powerful. Our God is all powerful. But the God of this world that shall rule this world one day, and today rules in the hearts of the lost, the God of this world, well, he's not all-powerful. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He's all-powerful. And when Jesus sits down on the throne of his father David in Jerusalem, to the end of his kingdom there is no end, the Bible says. He's all-powerful. The power of God is unlimited, while the power of this world's gods is limited. Even when the Antichrist comes into the picture, and it's the devil in a man's body, at that point in time, it'll seem like the devil's got all he wanted. But it's only temporary. It's only temporary. Because there is an end. And the end is 
when God judges the Antichrist, and he will, unquestionably. That brings us to the conclusion of our study. And I would remind you, if I can find the beginning here, that we've looked at the wounding of the beast in this study, the worship of the beast in this study, and the words of the beast. Listen, Christian, be encouraged. Our God is all-powerful. He is the living God and shall ever live making intercession for us. Are you born again? If not, then you'll worship this God of the world. You're already worshiping him, whether you realize it or not. But you know what? That can change. Because the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says, Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. It says, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Salvation is in Jesus Christ. If right now today you would trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you won't be around to meet the Antichrist. But if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you may just be there. And you won't like the ending of the story. Well, that concludes our study. Until the next study, God bless.